On today's episode, Alex DeBrinkett was listed as the number one player available this offseason by Frank Saravalli. Plus, there are some rumors beginning to swirl about the futures of Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and Dylan Strome. Then the Blackhawks requested head coaching interviews with a couple of assistant coaches around the NHL right now. And then to wrap things up will be defenseman Calvin DeHaan's 2021-2022 season recap. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, June 9th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please go and show some support first by following the podcast which will only take a quick couple of seconds, literally just a quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. Go and leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then feel free to leave me a review. I always greatly appreciate getting some feedback from all of my tremendous listeners out there. And best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast. Whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., it's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube because each and every episode, folks, throughout the rest of the summer into training camp this fall, is going to have a video attached to it as well. So if you haven't done so yet, please, please, please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. I would greatly appreciate it. I'm really trying to keep boosting those numbers up. Go and smash the like button for me down below as well and comment as to what grade you think Blackhawks defenseman Calvin DeHaan deserves for his performance this year. And last, be sure to go and turn it, turn on those push notifications. Go and ring the bell real fast. So that way, you can get the latest episode on YouTube as soon as it gets uploaded each and every day. All right, good afternoon, everyone, as always. Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start off your day. And let me tell you, folks, it is going down so far this afternoon. There has been a bunch of Blackhawks news coming out. and. Kind of fittingly, this is the 12-year anniversary of the Blackhawks taking home their first Stanley Cup to snap a 49-year drought back in 2010. Patrick Kane, of course, with the overtime winner. No one except for him and Patrick Sharp and apparently Mario Tirabassi's dad. Um, Shout out to Mario and the guys over at CHGO Sports. Aside from that, no one no one knew the puck was in, but it wound up being the game winner. Still don't know who has the puck. I suspect it's Chris Pronger, but who knows? Um, but it's kind of fitting that 12 years ago to the date when Patrick Kane started off the Blackhawks dynasty with their first Stanley Cup three and six years today, 12 years later, looks like the Chicago Blackhawks are going with a full-blown rebuild, folks. And the reason I say that is we've heard rumors today already on Alex Dabrinkit, 
Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubalik. Sounds like the Blackhawks could be trying to move on from all of them. First, with Alex DeBrinkett, he was actually listed as the number one overall player available this offseason, according to Frank Saravalli. He released an article earlier today. I think there were 20 or 30 names on the list, but headlining it at number one was Blackhawks forward Alex DeBrinkett. And I know for me, Personally, it was a tough pill to swallow, and I know it will be the same for a lot of you fans out there because Dabrinkit, he's a superstar. Already at a very young age in his career, only five seasons in, and he's already proven to be one of the elite goal scorers. He tied a career high with 41 goals this season, set uh, a new career high in points. I mean, he had a phenomenal season when the Blackhawks' offense as a whole was absolutely dreadful. He and Patrick Kane carried the Hawks' offense from start to finish, but now seems like Alex Dabrinkit could be on the move. And the part that not only being listed as the number one player available, obviously that's concerning in itself, but how Sarah Valley kicked off his article was saying it seems it's going to be about uh, when and not if the Blackhawks are moving on from Alex Dabrinkit. Oh, man, it's a tough day, Blackhawks fans. No one wants to see Dabrinkit go, but the side of it that I have to talk to you all about is the potential for the Hawks to get one heck of a return that could help kickstart this rebuild and to add some young pieces to the puzzle moving forward uh, three to five years down the road when the Blackhawks are trying to be competitive again. And the thing about trading to Brinkett that makes sense, look, I don't want it to happen. I don't think anyone wants it to happen, but there are some things that make sense with trading him. A, he's for sure the biggest trade chip on the roster that doesn't have a no movement clause. He's the easiest one to move because he, he's got a little bit of leniency. He's due a big deal once he becomes an unrestricted free agent after the end of next season. And if the Blackhawks want to move on from that, it gives them so much more financial room moving forward. Now, look, <clears throat> I think it's going to be very hard to go and acquire a player that can, or even multiple players that can do the same thing as Alex Dabrinkit, but the Blackhawks want to give themselves some, some more cap freedom this is a reason to do so. And also, the other thing, something I've touched on many times on the show in the past couple of months, when the Blackhawks, like we said, three to five years down the road is probably what they're thinking in terms of their competitive window opening back up. Alex Dabrinkit, he's not going to be old, but he, he's still going to be, what, 27, 28, pushing 30 by the time that happens? Like, that could potentially be already over the peak of his career. So listen, again, I'm not saying I want Alex Dabrinkit to get traded, but these are the things you have to consider when talking about moving him. I mean, it does kind of make sense. At the same time, though, it's a tough pill to swallow. No way around it. And there was also an article released later, uh, a little bit later after Sarah Valley's post from Scott Powers and Shana Goldman, two of the athletic writers. Obviously, Powers is the Blackhawks athletic writer. But uh, according to a team source, Dabrinkit is not expected to be with the team by the end of next season. They're either going to move him this summer or at the deadline. So Blackhawks fans, just kind of seems like it's only going to be a matter of time for Alex Dabrinkit to no longer be a member of this team. And I'm sure the trade talks are going to only start to ramp up as uh, the bigger dates of the offseason become closer and closer and closer. The one thing I will say, if the Blackhawks move on from from Cat, they better get an absolute haul. And a team like New Jersey has been rumored to be a, a team that could be linked to Dabrinkit. I think we need 
second overall pick, another first round pick in next year's loaded NHL draft. I talked about that on an episode recently too. If the Hawks want to move to Brinkett, I think they got to go and get a high selection in next year's draft. And that would give them three picks in a really good first round of the 2023 NHL draft. That personally would be the route that makes the most sense to me. I think you got to get the number two this year if it's from New Jersey, first next year, and maybe another prospect. That's what it's going to take to get Alex to Brinkett. And even though he's on these on this list of Saravalli and he's apparently available, the Blackhawks aren't just going to move on from him for scot free. You know, like we've heard rumors that this is kind of a Brandon Hagel situation. If you want Alex to Brinkett, go and wow Kyle Davidson. Give him an offer that he literally can't say no to. I think that's the scenario we find ourselves in with Alex to Brinkett right now. If the Blackhawks are going to trade him, it's probably going to be a hefty return, which it damn near better be. Um, but still, undoubtedly, a sad day to hear that Alex Dabrinkit, again, it sounds like it's not an if, it's a when type of thing of uh, being moved on from the Chicago Blackhawks. Also, in that article written by Scott Powers and Shayna Goldman, there were some rumors swirling about uh, that they talked about on Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubelik. At this point, sounds like Strom and Kubelik aren't going to be re signed. I think they're going to try and trade them before they become RFAs officially. But if I was another team, you know, I certainly would not be willing to give up as much as I would have back at the trade deadline, considering the Blackhawks have no leverage. Other teams know the time is running out for the Blackhawks to get a trade done. They don't trade them. They're going to hit the market and get absolutely nothing in return for them, which is still the biggest Pardon my language, still the biggest mind fuck of this all to me. Like, why? If you want this route with Dylan Strom and Dominic Kubelik, if you weren't going to bring them back in the offseason, why not go and move them when it was a seller's market back in March? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. There were reports that we could have gotten a third round pick for Kubelik, maybe a second for Dylan Strom. Why wouldn't Kyle take that offer if he knew they probably weren't going to re sign them in the offseason? That just doesn't make sense to me, but, you know. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, if they are going to move on from those two players, they'll be able to at least recoup something from another NHL club, but it doesn't seem all that likely. I'm not going to lie to you folks. And then for Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, in that same article by Powers and Goldman, they said that the Blackhawks would be willing to eat half the salary in order to move on from those two, and it looks like they're not going to be back after the end of the 2022-2023 season. And look, if Debrinkit goes, Patrick Kane's probably going to. I don't even really recognize what I'm saying there, that Patrick Kane may not be a member of the Chicago Blackhawks for much longer. It's mind-boggling to me. Um, but he said in his end-of-the-season interview, if Debrinkit's here, it's going to make it easier for me to stay on. The Blackhawks move to Brinkett. I don't know how enticed Patrick Kane is going gonna, is gonna to be to stay. Like They trade another one of his line mates that he found success with, as they've done for the past 10 seasons, seemingly. Like I wouldn't be happy if I was him. If Debrinkit goes... I kind of have a feeling Patrick Kane would be willing to waive his no movement clause. And for Jonathan Taves, based on some of the comments that he made throughout the course of the season, there's a team he wants to go to. I, I feel like he would be willing to lift that no movement clause as well. So it's going down today, folks. It's going down 12 years to the date since Patrick Kane scored the Stanley Cup winner back in 2010. Seems like a full-blown rebuild. We already knew the rebuild was in effect, but I don't think we knew it was going to go like this. Um, seems like to brink it. 
is really on the market. Someone has to wow Kyle Davidson in order to get it done. But considering he's a superstar at such a young age, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of bidders out there for a player like Debrinkit. Stroman Kubalik doesn't sound like they're going to be brought back. And then Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Sounds like the Hawks would be willing to eat salary to move on from them, assuming that they'd sign off on those no-movement clauses. Crazy day so far here in Chicago, and uh, I'll be sure to keep all of you updated on the latest news surrounding each of those players as the summer progresses. All right, there are some of the latest news and updates on a handful of Blackhawks players and their futures with the team. Coming up in just a minute, I will get into a report that the Hawks requested a head coaching interview with Brad Shaw from the Vancouver Canucks and Luke Richardson from the Montreal Canadiens. But first, I need to talk to you all about rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business serving auto parts customers and do-it-yourselfers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now to save both money and time while shopping for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50% or even as much as 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. And But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low. The rockauto.com catalog is also remarkably unique and super easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle from motor oil to tail lamps and even carpet. And you can also choose the brands, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. Best of all, those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much money and time for the same parts when you can skip out on the middleman and go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts that you will ever need for your car or truck for the best possible prices. And make sure to let them know that the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks Podcast. Moving on into segment two today, I also had to be sure to get into the latest updates on the Blackhawks requesting a pair of head coaching interviews with two assistant coaches around the NHL right now. But before I get into that, folks, I have to ask you all for a quick favor. The Lockdown Podcast Network has put together a survey so that we can learn more about our listeners like you and make your favorite Lockdown Podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you do like and what you don't like about Lockdown Podcasts. So just go to LockdownPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and everyone that completes a survey plus if you go and leave my show a review with a comment and your name, you'll qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. So please go and take this survey, folks. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, just go and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Be sure to drop your name in there as well. So that way, if you win, I'll be able to reach out, reach out to you. And it's very easy. It takes a couple of quick seconds and it gives you a chance to win $100 in Ticketmaster gift cards. It's a free $100. So go and complete the survey. Go and leave a review down below. I would greatly appreciate it. And thank you all for the help. All right, enough of that. Getting into segment two here today. On top of all the Blackhawks bombs that have come out about Alex DeBrinkett, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubalik, I mean, it's crazy what's happening. It sounds like the Blackhawks could be moving on from all of them and just wanting to start absolutely fresh. They want a fresh start. I kind of get it. 
It clearly isn't working with what they have right now. I don't want Patrick Kane to go. I mean, some of you could probably tell by the posters I have in my background. That was my idol growing up. My dog, who's 13 years old, is named Kane, my favorite player. It would break my heart to see Patrick Kane go, but it does seem like a fresh start is necessary here, man. I, I, w- I would much rather have Patrick Kane be a part of that, like just start fresh with Patrick Kane and Alex to bring it, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's the route that GM Kyle Davidson wants to go go with. Um, but moving on from that, the Blackhawks also apparently have reached out uh, to try and request two head coaching interviews with Luke Richardson, who's currently the assistant coach of the Montreal Canadiens, and Brad Shaw, who's the assistant coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Two kind of under-the-radar head coaching options for the Blackhawks. I think that kind of gives you some insight about the candidates that they're interested in because we haven't heard them request interviews with Barry Trotz or Bruce Cassidy or Pete DeBoer, some of the high name, big name free agent head coaches out there on the market. And, you know, while those do sound like good options, I think for each of them, it's pretty unlikely that they're going to want to sign on for a rebuild here in Chicago, which is why some under the radar candidates like Richardson and Shaw do make a little bit more sense. And I think this also tells you that the Blackhawks, they're still looking outside the box like they were for their GM interviews. They're not afraid to give interviews to outside the box type candidates, guys who aren't necessarily those big name head coaches that are out there on the market. Uh, And first for Brad Shaw, he's an NHL veteran of 377 games. He actually started off as an assistant coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning way back in 1999. He was only there for uh, one season. That's when the Lightning were really just kind of getting their start as a franchise. They were rebuilding. Things didn't go very well, and Shaw actually ended up resigning from that position. Uh, And then he went on to have some stints in the AHL. He actually started with uh, the Springfield Falcons, where Norm McIver, funny enough, now uh, a Blackhawks assistant general manager, uh, he was an assistant coach for Springfield. So there is some ties there between Bradshaw and Norm McIver, possibly. Uh, He served on the bench with McIver there for a few years, and then he became the head coach of the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks of the AHL, of course, the minor league affiliate of the Anaheim Mighty Ducks back in the day. That's when actually Mike Babcock was the head coach of Cincinnati. He gets promoted up to Anaheim and then, you know, the rest is history. He goes on to win Stanley Cups in Detroit, yada, yada, yada. So I guess if uh, Babcock never got promoted, Shaw would have never been, never been promoted head coach of uh, the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks as well. Kind of the butterfly effect there. We don't get Mike Babcock as an NHL head coach, which I know would have made a lot of people happy. Then Brian Shaw or Bradshaw, excuse me, would have never been uh, a candidate on the Blackhawks list. That's for a completely other story. But uh, he had some success there with Cincinnati as the head coach. Then he became an assistant for the New York Islanders for a little bit before being an assistant with the St. Louis Blues for ten years. He was there as an assistant for a long time under several different head coaches. Obviously, the Blues have been a pretty competitive team for the last decade. Like each and every year, they're right there fighting for a playoff spot. Shaw was a big part of that behind the bench under several different head coaches as well. Uh, And then he was with John Tortorella in Columbus for a little bit before his latest stint being the assistant coach of the Vancouver Canucks that he's basically uh, only been there for a year. I believe he was hired in June of 2021. Uh, So not a lot of true head coaching experience. Only 
time he's been a head coach for an NHL club was when he was the interim uh, for the New York Islanders for like 40 games or so. But he has put in work as an assistant and he's he's served under several successful head coaches. John Tortorella is someone who's out there on the market too, who whether you like him or not, he does have a, a pretty strong background. Um, so this is an interesting outside the box type candidate the Blackhawks have officially requested an interview with. And then for Luke Richardson, I feel like a, a lot of folks know he, he was around in the NHL for a long time. He played over 1,400 NHL games. Uh, he started off his coaching career being an assistant with the Ottawa Senators. He actually went down to Binghamton, their AHL affiliate, and was the head coach there. And he was offered to come back up to Ottawa to be an assistant, but he said no. He said, I'd rather be the head coach down here because I want to be a head coach in the future one day. So he'd rather be the leader behind the bench of an AHL team than kind of the right-hand man for an NHL club. And I think that kind of shows you the determination of Luke Richardson that, you know, he, he feels he's beyond capable of serving behind an NHL bench, being the guy. So I thought that was kind of a cool tidbit. He was also with the New York Islanders for a little bit, and then he's been with Montreal since 2018. He started under Claude Julien. Obviously, he gets fired, um, and he, he's been uh, part of the Canadians. He, he was obviously on the bench for that incredible run that they had in the playoffs last year, and then things absolutely turned into a dumpster fire for them this year. They might have been the most injured NHL team I've ever seen in my life. Um, but I just, you know, I, I don't know. Obviously, neither of them have much NHL coaching experience, but that's what makes them the outside-the-box type hires. Shaw obviously has that connection to McIver. Richardson is a, a longtime NHL vet who's put together some really good years behind the bench for a couple of different teams now. I just thought it was interesting and kind of, I think, shows you the mindset of the Chicago Blackhawks. Again, they're not afraid to go with a non-atypical candidate. They're not afraid to give outside guys a chance. So, you know, in a situation like this, I think you got to do your work like that. You got to do as much research as possible to make sure you find the perfect candidate to lead this team throughout this rebuild, right? Because, <clears throat> and again, something I've mentioned too is if you don't fall in love with one of the candidates, I know you kind of want to get this thing rolling here and you'd rather have a head coach come in right now than not. But if they don't love any of the candidates, they could go back to Derek King and just make him, give him a one-year deal, keep him around for another year. Again, Blackhawks aren't going to be making the playoffs next season, especially they could be moving on from guys like Kane and DeBrinket and Stroh. Ooh, excuse me, and Stroman, all of them. So we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, I just think the only way to find out, though, is by doing your homework, giving each and every candidate an opportunity to prove themselves, see what they have to say, hold as many head coaching interviews as you want. You know, I think that's the type of work and determination that needs to go into finding. Uh, the perfect candidate for the next head coach. But speaking of the next head coach, interestingly enough, Bet Online released some odds uh, for the next Blackhawks head coach, and there were a couple names that caught me by surprise on there. Neither uh, Luke Richardson or Bradshaw were part of this list. I got to scroll down and find it. But here we are. Uh, according to Bet Online, Derek King is the three to one favorite to become the next Blackhawks permanent head coach. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet that was somebody else's money. I don't think it's likely. I know I just talked about how Derek King could be given a one-year deal if they don't love any of the candidates. But like I said, I think they'd rather get this thing rolling, get the guy who they trust in there as soon as possible. I'd 
give Derrick King a 30% chance maybe of coming back. So kind of odd that he comes in as the um, odds-on favorite. Pete DeBoer was 6-1. to one. Don't see that happening. Um, like Barry Trotz, who's 7-1 to one here. I think the Blackhawks, I don't know if they necessarily want to be going with a veteran head coach at this point. Which And for the veteran head coaches, why would they want to be bad for the next couple of years? A guy like Pete DeBoer, who's coached good Vegas teams, Barry Trotz, who's been a winner everywhere he's been, Nashville, Washington, New York, Bruce Cassidy, who's been a winner throughout his career as well. Like I don't think any of those three guys, as intriguing as they are, and the Blackhawks certainly got to at least give them a phone call. I just don't see it being all that likely. And personally, with the Blackhawks not being in a rush, um, I don't know if they're even going to be their top candidates, uh, but there are some interesting ones on here for sure. Mike Volucci at nine to one. Derek Lalonde has been someone who's been brought up a bunch. Jim Montgomery at 10 to one might be, if I were to bet somebody on this list, Jim Montgomery at 10 to one seems like it could be a good bet. He's been an assistant with the St. Louis blues for the past few years. They've obviously been one of the better teams in the entire NHL, former head coach of the Dallas stars. And he's quietly like, I remember going back to when Jeremy Colleton was first fired. Jim Montgomery was someone that was brought up by Elliot Friedman and Frank Saravalli, who could kind of be a dark horse in the running. So if I were to put money down, Jim Montgomery at 10 to 1 doesn't seem doesn't seem like a bad bet. Rick Tockett is 10 to 1, which I think is a little bit wishful. I mean, I wouldn't mind Tock. He's a well-respected guy, very laid back, but also demands respect and demands the best out of his players. I think Tockett could be an outside candidate. Again, I don't see it being very likely, but I think he's probably more likely than Trotz or DeBoer or Cassidy. Uh, and then going down, we got Jeff Blasill at 11 to 1. I don't know what would make the Blackhawks intrigued by Jeff Blasill after what he's done with Detroit. Uh, Claude Julien, Adam, that, that ship has sailed. I think Tortorella's kind of in that same boat. Paul Maurice, 12 to 1 as well. David Quinn, 14 to 1, former coach of the New York Rangers, of course. Um, I'm interested to see if they add Luke Richardson or Brad Shaw to these odds because, uh, I mean, they're getting they're getting the interviews, so that's obviously meaningful. Um, personally, I don't even know if I have a top candidate at this point. I think I kind of need to learn more about each and every one of them, um, but I just think it's interesting to hear that the Blackhawks, again, like their GM search, they're not afraid to go outside the box. They're going to give opportunities to different types of candidates, and uh, regardless of what decision they make, I just hope they make the right one because it's going to be critical uh, to get the the perfect head coach for this scenario in the building. It's going to be very crucial for the Blackhawks, especially someone that can help develop these younger players who are hopefully going to be uh, big factors for this team one day down the road. So interesting to hear that the Blackhawks gave out or requested two head coaching interviews uh, and expect things to continue to ramp up. We're getting into the meat of the offseason here, folks. We're a month away from all the big stuff going down, and that's ideally when the Blackhawks said they'd like to have their next head coach set in place. So uh, keep your eyes open because this is probably only the beginning of the head coaching rumors surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks and their future. All right, there are some latest updates on the Blackhawks requesting head coaching interviews with Luke Richardson and Bradshaw. Coming up in just a minute, I still got to get into Blackhawks defenseman Calvin DeHaan's 2021-2022 season recap. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. It's that time of the year again, folks, as baseball season is finally upon us. It's about to take over for the summer, and Bet Online has way more odds and info from game scores, totals, to player performance props. Bet Online remains 
the number one spot for all sports betting here in 2022. It's not just baseball. From the NHL and NBA playoffs, esports, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports in Vegas casino games. Bet online, where the game begins. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment three now today before I wrap things up and let you all go enjoy the rest of your days. I still got to get into Blackhawks defenseman Calvin DeHaan's 2021-2022 season recap. And by the way, folks, if you haven't checked out a bunch of the past season recaps that I've gone over, I've already discussed what great I thought Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrinkett, Seth Jones, Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubalik, Jake McCabe, Kirby Doc. I've already gone over a lot of the big-name Blackhawks players from this season. So if you haven't listened to those season recap segments yet, definitely be sure to go and do so once this episode wraps up in just a few minutes here. And also, while you got a quick moment, please go and comment down below as to what grade you think Calvin DeHaan deserves for his performance this season. I always love getting feedback from my fans out there. I want to know if I'm on the same page of all as all of you, or if you feel different about Calvin DeHaan's season than I do. I want to know about it. So please be sure to go and comment down below what grade you think Calvin DeHaan has earned for his performance this season. But getting into some of the numbers for Calvin DeHaan, um, first off, before I get into the numbers, I just want to say the dude's an absolute warrior. I know it's Beyond likely at this point that his tenure with the Chicago Blackhawks is going to come to an end. But Calvin DeHaan, both on and off the ice, was was awesome. On the ice, a selfless player who was, even on bad teams, was willing to sacrifice his body night in and night out. I mean, dude took an absolute beating and earned every one of those maintenance days that he took throughout the past couple of years. Like, the sacrifice and just being such a good teammate, you know, willing to do the little things. That's his game. and. He did it well, man. I give such huge props to Calvin DeHaan because he wore his heart on his sleeve. I always call him an absolute warrior. He was the warrior of the Chicago Blackhawks back there. He'd do anything. He'd, he'd take a, a puck to the puck to the chops in order to get it out of the zone, man. That's just the type of guy Calvin DeHaan is. So I I always greatly appreciated him while he was around. And even though he was part of trade rumors for the past two or three years now, he he always took it well and he would go on Twitter and he'd make some jabs about it. A great Twitter follow, by the way, Blackhawks fans. Go and follow Calvin DeHaan. He's active on Twitter. There were a couple times where he interacted with myself, which I greatly appreciate with. He's just, a you know, didn't take things too serious. Always was willing to, you know, have some fun with the situations that he found himself in. I mean, Calvin DeHaan was a true pros pro, even on bad teams. You know, he always, he never seemed to have a bad day. And whenever he'd go to, whenever I'd go to practice, he'd be the guy out there who's making a ton of noise. It makes me smile thinking back on it. And it's sad that Calvin DeHaan's probably going to be gone. But, you know, Calvin, as I'm about to talk about in a moment, not an offensive wizard by any way, shape, or form. Uh, but he'd go out there and practice. And if he'd beat a goaltender for a goal, he'd let out big, oh, he'd get the boys all pumped up and all that stuff, man. He was just a, a really, really great morale guy, and I'm sure was an even better guy to those that were in the locker room with him. So, Calvin DeHaan, I just want to say thank you for everything. If this is, in fact, the end of your tenure with the Chicago Blackhawks, which seems likely, it was a fun ride, man, and I greatly appreciate everything you did for this team. 
But getting into some of Calvin DeHaan's numbers this year, I don't know why I just said, you know, he's not an offensive wizard because you look at the goals he scored this year, Calvin DeHaan had it going on. Four goals this season, which was the first time that Calvin DeHaan did not score exactly one goal since 2016-2017. It was just a weird thing. He'd only find the back of the net once each and every year. It was kind of his thing. Uh, but he actually wound up scoring four goals for the Blackhawks this season. I believe three of them came in like a, a nine-game stretch or something like that. It was pretty funny. Uh, but obviously, all jokes aside, that is not Calvin Hahn's bread and butter. So I'm not going to weigh his offense all that much in terms of his final grade. Only added four assists in 69 games for eight points. But again, not his bread and butter. Never has, never will be. Um, the, I'm not really going to get into the penalty minutes or the shooting percentage because that just doesn't really matter that much with Calvin Hahn. He had 33 penalty minutes, which for the role that he played, always being in the defensive zone, I'm not all that surprised that it is where it is. Um, maybe we would have liked him to take a few less penalties, but being on, on defense and stuck in the defensive zone a lot, that was just going to happen with this team. Uh, but DeHaan averaged 18 minutes, 57 seconds of time on ice this year, a second pairing role for the most part. He did have uh did spend a little bit of time with Seth Jones up on the top pairing, but it was mixed and matched a lot throughout the course of the season, especially with injuries. But yeah, that 18, 19 minute mark, that's right around where Calvin has been throughout his Blackhawks tenure so far. Um, but when he was on the ice, you knew what you were going to get out of him. A guy who was willing to compete. Sure. I mean, like any of the Blackhawks defensemen, I mean, he, he was guilty of his moments of having too many turnovers and not, not moving the puck up well enough through transition. Um, but that's, again, that's not really his game. And that's not even really what we brought him in to do. We brought him in to be good on the penalty kill, to be a big shot blocker, to provide a physical presence and a veteran presence as well. And he did all of those things extremely well this season. He had 172 block shots, which even though he only played 69 games, that was good for third in the entire NHL. So he, he probably would have been the NHL league leader had, uh, he been able to stay healthy, but those two things kind of go hand in hand. If you're one of the NHL's block shot leaders, you're probably not going to be playing 82 games unless you're an absolute dog out there and you're just willing to play banged up each and every night. And down the stretch of the season when the Blackhawks weren't playing for anything, it did make sense to give Calvin DeHaan those maintenance days, let the youngsters go in the lineup and try to prove themselves a little bit further. I think if the Blackhawks were playing competitive hockey, Calvin DeHaan would have been right around 80 games this season probably would have been the block shot leader in the entire NHL, but still an incredible output this season. And I know a reason why that number is so high is because the Blackhawks were stuck in their own zone a ton and they were playing defense for the majority of the games. Um, but you still can't knock Calvin DeHaan for that. I mean, the dude was still willing to put his body on the line for each and every one of those 172 blocks. So as I've talked about, the dude was an absolute warrior from the start all the way to the finish of his Blackhawks career, man. And uh, I'll always greatly appreciate him for that because I'm sure it wasn't easy being on a bad team, having that type of role, but he did it. He swallowed that night in and night out and he performed, man. And I was just uh, impressed with the, the willingness to put his body on the line each and every game, despite the Blackhawks not being very good. Uh, Dahan also had 146 hits. So I think that was. Um, Man, who did I talk about that? One of the season recaps I talked about, uh, I think it was Connor Murphy, where they just kind of recognized there wasn't a lot of physicality up and down the lineup. And Calvin's a big boy, you know, he, he's got some size to him. So I think they recognized that 
there wasn't a whole lot of physicality elsewhere in the lineup and that, you know, he and Murph kind of had to step up their game in that department this season and kind of set the precedent that the Blackhawks weren't just going to get pushed around all over the ice all season long. Uh, so, uh, oh, I think it was Jake McCabe, actually, who I talked about the physicality. Might not have been Connor Murphy. Either way, all three of those guys uh, were more physical than they have been in years past because I think they realized that they had to be the ones to set the tone for this Blackhawks team. So again, just kind of a teammate thing out of Calvin DeHaan, right? He knows what job he has to do. He knows what he has to go out there and be in order for his team to have at least some success. I know there wasn't much of it this year, but uh, he knew his role and he played it very well. So uh, those were probably the two areas where I thought Calvin DeHaan shined the most this season, which shouldn't be surprising because the offense, that's never going to be what jumps out at you about his game. I mean, eight points. It's honestly pretty respectable for Calvin DeHaan in 69 games. Um, so all in all, the areas where you wanted Calvin DeHaan to be good this year, I thought he was pretty solid for the most part. Um, like I said, though, I mean, he, he still had his turnovers. Everyone did on the Blackhawks blue line, but um, I thought he made up for that in other areas. Like it wasn't a, a Jake McCabe type situation where he came, we thought we were getting a shutdown defensive player and he didn't kind of live up to those expectations. Those storylines are kind of different. So I also think that can kind of lead to the narrative that Calvin DeHaan um, was maybe a, a bit better than what the numbers suggest per se, uh, just because they were completely different storylines. So maybe that's why I'm going to be a little bit harsher on Jake McCabe than I was for Calvin Hahn. I think the expectations for those two players were just a little bit different, though, coming into the season. Like for DeHaan, we knew he'd be a veteran defenseman who could play top four minutes and could also be down on the third pairing playing with one of the younger guys. But for McCabe, like we really expected him to come in and lock it down with Connor Murphy, and he didn't do that. So that's why I think, you know, even though the Blackhawks defense as a whole, aside from Seth Jones, wasn't that great. I think that's why there could be a little bit of a different perception, at least to me personally, on Calvin DeHaan and Jake McCabe. Um, but the Corsi for, for Jake was not nearly as bad as it was for Connor Murphy or uh, for Jake McCabe there. Um, Calvin finished with a 43.8 Corsi 4 percentage, which I know he's laughed himself in the past and talked about uh, Corsi and all that stuff. Um, not being all that meaningful. I personally don't put too much weight into it, but in terms of an entire season, kind of does give you a, a depiction of where at least the players were at and what tended to happen when they were out there on the ice. Like for Calvin Hahn having a 43.8 Corsi 4 percentage, obviously his role is going to be defense. That's what he does. He's not going to get a ton of opportunity in the offensive zone. So I think that number is honestly pretty respectable on this bad of a Blackhawks team. Like you would imagine it would probably be in the thirties down there with McCabe and Connor Murphy, but no, that, that wasn't the case for Calvin DeHaan. Um, so I think that kind of tells you that he may have uh, been able to help out the Blackhawks defensively a little bit more. Like, I don't know. It's obviously, it's so hard to gauge defensive defensemen and exactly what types of seasons they had. You got to go and look at the zone and exit numbers, you know, some of the other outside the box type statistics per se. So um, I don't know. It's tough to, it's tough to grade a guy like Calvin Hahn, but the biggest thing that stuck out to me about his season again was just his willingness 
to sacrifice the body, put his body on the line, do all the little things in order for the team, uh, for the greater good of the team, I should say. Um, so all in all, taking everything into consideration, uh, it wasn't an amazing season by Calvin Hahn, but I also don't think it was a dreadful season by any means. So I'm going to give uh, Blackhawks defenseman Calvin DeHaan a B- minus for his performance this season. I thought, you know, all in all, he was all right, but he was out there doing everything he could in order to try and not get his goaltender peppered on a nightly basis. He stepped up in the physicality department. He also scored four goals, which is the second most of his NHL career, which was a nice little addition. Uh, like I said, this is probably going to be it, more than likely going to be it for Calvin DeHaan in his career with the Blackhawks. So I'm going to give him a, a B minus, and I'm curious to see what all of you feel about his season because well, actually 46% of the voters gave him a B, 39% said C. Go and comment down below if you feel the same or if you feel different as to my grade for what I gave Calvin DeHaan this year. I really always want to hear all of your feedback. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Thursday. June 9th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow Lockdown Blackhawks wherever you get your podcasts and to subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news, odds, and updates out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's free and available on all platforms. So be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman 2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions regarding anything related to the Blackhawks or to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you could call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.